The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about hot topics and research articles. There are factors that can affect how many calories you burn. Some are within your control, but most are not. Physician assistant name change in the future. What you need to know about the new title and is it really necessary? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. So, how are you, D.? I am doing well, Vicki. How are you? Happy New Year. I don't think we've had a chance to wish each other a Happy New Year. I know. Happy New Year. We are back into the cold for real, right? <laughs> oh, but you know, it's so weird. I don't know if it's global warming or whatever. Like, today it was like 22, tomorrow's going to be 40. It's just bouncing up and down, up and down. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But yeah, it is definitely climate change. You know, the unpredictability of it. And yeah, those are the things we got to think about on top of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's getting very, uh, it's getting very worrisome. Yes, it is. We are here. <laughs> but we are here. We are here. Yes. And yes. it is a new year, 2022. And so I'm ready. I'm ready too. I'm ready for I'm something ready. new. <laughs> I am too. Too. I'm. I'm really ready. I mean, honest to God, I'm ready. Uh, first of all, I'm ready for this mess to be over. Yes. Yes. I'm ready for this mess to be over, but I'm also ready for. You know, I don't know. I just want to turn over a new leaf in 2022. Yes, you know, I know. For a new leaf. A new leaf. A new purpose. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. 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 Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 72. And so what are the factors that affect how many calories you burn? And some of them, well, you know, we can control, but most of them we cannot and so we're going to find out what experts say that we can do to support uh, your metabolism and how you can burn more calories to maintain a healthy weight and most of all to be healthy and fit. Now, did you know that physician assistants are they're going through the process of changing their names now and Yes, yes, we are going to find out more about that. And of course, Dr. D will talk about the latest update about this pandemic. We are here today. We are going to be talking about these interesting articles later on on this episode. And so we want to make sure that you stay with us today. 
Make sure, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. Now, when you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. And you will be able to listen, learn, and experience and experience our shows where we bring in other guests and talk about the things that are important for our health and our well-being and most of all, our community. And as you know, we do not just talk about physical health. We talk about things that we can do to preserve, to preserve our mental health as well. And we believe in total well-being. That is having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts, rate and review this show because that is how we grow and increase our listeners. We appreciate you. So make sure, make sure you give us a five-star review and rate this show. And don't forget, don't forget to check out our resources page, vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. And there you will find our products. You'll find some of the products and services that we partner with and that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. We have a variety of items on our resource list for you to check out and to try. We have Reebok, Warby Parker, Polar, iRemedy Healthcare. I just went on iRemedy Healthcare the other day, ordered me some more K, uh, what is it? KN95s. Oh, yes yes because they get them to you quickly they get them to you quickly so that's i remedy healthcare yeah then there's we have on that resource list the right stuff that's a medical supplies that you can um find it's online you can order anything when it comes to medical care and supplies okay then there's the art of tea yes yes Beautiful, wonderful tasting tea on this platform. Art of tea, love it on the website. So go check it out. Then there's my lab box. My lab box on this resource list. And I went the other day to check and see if they have the rapid COVID test. Yes, they uh-huh. do. Yes, they do. Oh. Yes. Oh, well, oh, wow. Where was this again, Vicky? It's called my Yes, they do. So we have that on our resources list. So if you're ever wondering where you can find a, a home kit that's FDA approved, there you go. There you go. My lab box. Then we have ecolunchbox.com. And then we have a lot more that we want you to go and check out. But let's talk a little bit briefly about ecolunchbox.com. That's ecolunchbox.com. They they specialize. They specialize in eco-friendly lunchware. And I know most of us, we're trying to at least... Get away from using all of this plastic because it's not good for our environment. And so these are beautiful stainless steel boxes. Um, They have wonderful lunch bags, napkins, um, eco-friendly lunchware. 
And now that we're going back to school, uh, some of us are going back to our workspace and all of that. Even if you just want to have your place at home and and put your little make your little lunch, that's what you really should do. Make your little lunch at home instead of grazing since you at home doing your work. <laughs> yeah, you can put your you can put your stuff in the lunchbox, you know. And be ready. Okay? So check out ecolunchbox.com on our resources page www.vikidofitness.com forward slash resources. Now remember when you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of the products and services on our resources page, you're supporting us here at Vikido Fitness. And as always, what do we say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, as you know, Natalie and I, we had a quick weekend to Chicago. Yes, yeah, so we we had beautiful pictures that we took. You know, we were hanging out with uh, Brother T. You know, now we we did pick the the coldest uh, weekend to go. It was like in the teens, and uh, I will up there and say with the hawk, as Lou Rawls had that song back in the sixties called the hawk. Chicago's cold weather, the hawk. The hawk. Yeah, that's what it was. The we were up there. The with the hawk and but we had fun and like I was telling you man those folks aren't playing you had to have your mask on and your vaccination card and ID out so wherever you went that's what you were at the door and then in all the spaces you were to keep your mask on even for the restaurants you couldn't get in there Unless you had your mask, your vaccination card, and your ID. And then you were only allowed to take them off when you were eating. If you had to go to the bathroom, you better put that thing on and go to the bathroom. Wow. Your mask on and go to the bathroom. They weren't playing. These people aren't playing. No, they're not playing. In cities, you know, and that's the same city where Lori, what's her face? She had put her, uh, the the mayor, Lori, Lori, I can't think of Lori's last name, but... You know, she's running a tight ship there, too, in terms of schools. But, I mean, they at least they have a focus and a plan. Yes, they do. It's not just kind of like haphazard. I mean, it's, very, it's controversial about the schools and so forth and so on. But at least they're taking things head on and trying to look at things from a scientific standpoint rather than helter-skelter. That's so, it. So, yeah, you need to have your... You need to have your vaccination card when you go into a place. Yes, indeed. Why not? Yes, yes. If you don't, you can't get in. Come on now. I said exposing people to your germs, to your germs and and their germs and and this, that, and the other. No. I know. I know. So that's how our weekend was, but it was good. You know, Natalie met me there, and yeah, we hung out for a quick weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she met me from, she flew in from Columbus. Yes. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. nice. Well, how was the city? Was it packed or, you know, not a lot of people? Because when I went to New York last year for New Year's, around New Year's, it was basically empty. I had New York to myself. Were there a lot of people milling around? Uh, not really, home? because it was cold. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Right. <laughs> 
Because we as black people, we don't do, I don't do cold. I don't do cold. I, so. <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, I'll do a lot, but cold, I do not do. I do not do cold, right? It, it it was not a, it was it, it, you could tell it was a lot more people you know moving around because of you know there was a little bit of traffic and this and that and the other but for the restaurants they were pretty booked because you had to you couldn't just walk in to a restaurant they had it very yeah they had it very controlled yes yes so they can control the crowds they can control how you eat where you sit yeah Mm-hmm. So you just couldn't be wandering in there and just sit any old where. No, and they send your they send your butt to the patio, which was like a lighted thing. But even that, you had to have reservations. So I don't know where they sent the people. So yeah, you had to have reservations big time. But in a big city, for any of the, especially the weekend, you just pretty much gonna have to have a reservation anyway. Yeah, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So, but pretty yeah. Much. It was different. It's it's not like they, you know, they ain't doing all that in Ohio. <laughs> no, I mean, in Ohio, it's just, like I said, it's a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. And they're paying for it, too. Well, they are. Yeah, because I, I think, aren't we the second leading state? That's, well, in the Midwest, are. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a lot of COVID um, cases. Well, and unfortunately, you've got a situation where, as we said before, we're not a political, you know, program. But a lot of this is political. It's beyond science. It's not even taking science into consideration. It's my rights and some politics. And that's a bad combination for a, a pandemic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That virus doesn't care whether you Democrat, Republican, whatever. Yeah. It's not going to stop until people make a concerted effort to at least get vaccinated so we can at least if the variants hit you won't be you won't die and you won't be hospitalized that's the bottom line that's what we're trying to achieve that's it so yeah. hopefully i don't know but hopefully yeah mm-hmm. yeah yes 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 so how was your week then d you went to mexico well, I, right yeah, i went to mexico with my sister and her family and you know, it was very nice. I went down there on a Wednesday and came back on a Sunday. And the weather was beautiful. I had never been to that part of the country. It was the Baja Peninsula all the way down at the end of Mexico on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. The weather was great. The people were great. But I have to tell you that we were so paranoid. My sister rented a villa, and we were, we were it was big enough so that we all had, of course, our own separate rooms. And, you know, we had our own pool and beach and stuff. But we social distance in that house. Mm-hmm. You know, we were not all on top of each other. We wore masks. We had the people who came in and cooked for us. They had to have a mask and stuff on. And on New Year's Eve, when people came by to visit, you know, we kind of had them to social distance, too, and wear masks. I mean, N95s and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. what we were all worried about was you had to have a negative COVID test to get back into the United States. Okay, okay. So nobody was about to be messing around and test positive. And now you got to quarantine on your own dime for 14 days. Yeah. I don't think so. No, no. Yeah, that's crazy. You'll uh, be running around like Djokovic, which we're going to talk about. But you'll be running around. I know. You know it's one multimillionaire, but I don't have enough money to be in quarantine for 14 days in a hotel. That's crazy. And then you can't do shit. Nothing. They got you under, under They, I think. In some places, they put a, uh, one of those bands on your Yes, leg. they do. Or, or a lock on where 
on your door where you can only go, you know, whatever. Exactly. St- right. You go out certain times of the day and mm-hmm. then you got to be in your It's not like you're going to go back there and be on a picnic. Nope. No. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back then. I'm glad you're back. Thank you for asking. All right. Yes, yes. What is going on this week? <laughs> Everything, Vicki. Everything. Everything. And so we'll start out talking about Sidney Portier. He transitioned at age 94, right? Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And they do say it comes in three because, we, you know, the uh, week before that, wasn't it Betty White? Yep. Mm-hmm. And she was 99. They had her on the front cover of People magazine hoping that she would reach her 100th birthday. Wow. Isn't that something? We are living longer, huh? We are. We are living longer. You know, I think most people generally take care of themselves and and so forth. But, you know, the the only thing is that this COVID has come up there and a little bit dropped the life expectancy for some people. And that's not been for 20-some years. Oh, I know. So, you know, people are living longer, but this, we've lost 800,000 people in the, since December of 2019, Vicki. Let's get your head wrapped around that. I know. Due to... wrapped around that. If somebody were to tell you mm-hmm. we're going to have a war in this country, and between December of 2019, and I think we reached that number in December, December of 2021, two years, you're going to lose 800,000 people. People would be in an uproar. They'd be trying to get on a shuttle to the moon. We've lost 800,000 people to a disease. I know. But then we've got people saying that not a lot of people die from that. The percentage is low. I don't get what, what kind of stats they're looking at. I really don't. I don't, I don't know either. I mean, it's kind of like people that don't believe the Holocaust existed, you know. Yeah. And so we have to remind people, look, it's the, the stats should be based on how many people die from one thing and over time. And if you compare it to yeah. flu or what have you, there's no 800,000 people die from flu in less than Correct. two, right? Correct. In less Correct. than two years. Sorry. I don't care what you got. No flu is not compared to flu. No, because no 800,000 people die from flu in two years, less than two years or at least two years. Okay. No. So uh, stop it. Stop that. No, stop it. It's no comparison. It's no comparison. Okay. So there it is. All right, but yeah, so Sidney Partier, he he died, yeah. and they say he was ailing. You know, was a little bit sick for a while before he died. But you know, he did die, ninety four years old, and uh, yeah, he passed away. He he was the what the first black man to win the Oscar for black mm-hmm. actor in nineteen sixty four. Yep, yes, he did. His legacy is 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 long. Isn't it? It is. He um uh, he was born in Miami. His parents were Bahamian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were farmers and owned a farm on Cat Island, which they would often travel from to Miami to sell tomatoes and produce. And he was born unexpectedly in Miami two months premature while his parents were visiting there from the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. He remained in Miami for three months before he became healthy enough to go back with his parents to be in the Bahamas, where he was essentially raised. He was 15 when he was sent to Miami to live, with his, to live with his brother. At 16, he moved to New York, 
prosper. He worked as a waiter before he went into the Army. And after the Army, Poitier auditioned for a role with the American Negro Theater, and I remember that theater well. Mm-hmm. He, uh, which he won, and after the production, Poitier was cast as the lead in Broadway's Lysistrata before his breakout role as Gregory Miller in the 1955 movie Blackboard Jungle. After Blackboard Jungle, Poitier went on to star in movies like Porgy and Beth, mm-hmm. Raisin in the Sun, which I love, mm-hmm. and Walter Lee. Mm-hmm. He was Walter Lee, Raisin in the Sun. Lost that money. Remember when he lost that money? Yes, yes. To serve with love. Guess who's coming to dinner? I was in college when that came out. Mm-hmm. In the heat of the night where he slapped Rod Steiger. And they said that was a slap heard around the world because Rod Steiger slapped him and then he slapped him back. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing for a black man to oh, big time. a white guy on the movie. And then in 1964, he became the first black man to win the Oscar for Best Actor in a Role in Lilies of the Field. I think that was the one that had amen, amen, yes. amen, amen, amen. Throughout his career, Poitier received two more Oscar nominations, ten Golden Globes and two Emmys, six BAFTAs, that's the British Awards, and mm-hmm. one Screen Actor Bill, SAG, nomination. He was the oldest surviving male Academy Award win- winner until his death in 2022. In a 1967 interview, Poitier confirmed that his roles throughout his career were a clear choice. He said via the Times, New York Times, if the fabric of the society were different, I would scream to high heaven to play villains and to deal with different images of Negro life that would be more dimensional. But I'll be damned if I do that at this stage of the game. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt because a lot of people, you know, thought, well, you know, he's always cast in these subdued roles. So, well, first of all, mm-hmm. he couldn't be running out there, hair on fire, black power. I know, right. And Hollywood, that was not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so he was trying to make, I remember Maya Angelou talking about him when I we were around her. He he paved the way for a lot of other black actors. I remember that speech, which I keep looking at, that Denzel Washington, they gave uh, Sidney Poitier a, a, you know, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and that was the same night that Denzel got his award as, uh, I think it was Best Actor in a Supporting Role, because this was uh, a Best Actor. Okay. This is after he won in glory. And Denzel said, I've been chasing you, Sidney, and all of a sudden now I get my award the same night you get your award. He goes, I'm so proud to honor, I'm so honored to do that with you. Yes. So I said, there's no doubt Poitier will be missed by millions in Hollywood and across the world. So how did Sidney, how did he die? And um, I don't I, I don't know if it was natural causes. You said that he was sick. I hadn't heard that. But he looked feeble. You know the term feeble. Right. The last few I saw of him, he had six daughters. He married this woman, Joanna Shimkus, who was Caucasian. And in those days, that was, like, forbidden. But they were married for, like, 46 or 47 years. Yes, you know? yes. Mm-hmm. Married to an African-American woman. I don't remember her name. But what people always, you know, talk about, too, he had this grand affair with Diane Carroll. You know, they were in the movie. One of my favorite movies was uh, Paris Blues. Okay. And they were together in Paris Blues. It was I just had seen this movie about a year ago. Black and white movie, strolling in Paris, in love. And I'm not sure if that's where the affair started, but they had a, a kind of a, a, a toward affair for a while. But, you know, his wife wasn't going anywhere, and so that was that. 
All right. So, well, uh, yeah, the world will miss him. Oprah, I just remember all the time of anybody, and you can see it online. Mm-hmm. She loved him. She loved when he came on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw him in person in 1993, which I posted this picture online. He was at the Black Theater Festival in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I didn't see any of the, I don't know if he was in any of the plays at the time. The opening night, they always had the stars. I'm so glad I got that picture. That was, you know, almost 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, but what a strong, stately man he was, uh, except for the scandal for Diane Carroll, and everybody's forgotten about that. Never a, a negative word said about him. You know, he carried himself with with uh, grace and style and, and mm-hmm. everything. You know, mm-hmm. he, was just, he was just great. So rest in peace, Sidney Poitier. Big time. Rest in peace. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes. We were talking about the law professor and and the whole uh, civil rights advocate. What was her name? Lonnie Garnier, I think that's it. Yeah, she um, uh-huh. she transitioned. She was seventy one, and so yeah. yeah, her her career was interesting because you know that was the whole big controversy thing with with um, the then president Bill Clinton, and so. I think that was interesting as well. But she, yeah, she died. She was in an assistant living facility. And yeah, she had um, she had Alzheimer's, complications from Alzheimer's disease. Isn't that something? Just unbelievable. You know how at a young age, something like that would take her down when she was a, she was a brilliant. And I think she was the first black woman to be a tenured professor at Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like after all this big thing happened, this because Bill Clinton, he he nominated her for wasn't it the Supreme Court? I think yes, he was one of the yeah. the she was one of the um, Supreme Court nominee that he wanted, yeah. and yeah. they they went after her because of some of her views, and they call her quota queen and all that kind of oh. stuff. Yeah, and she was she yeah. was advocate for for our voting rights. And all of that kind of stuff, and so yeah, um, he had to. I think he um, he had to withdraw her nomination because it was so many stuff that they were out against her. You know how the political system gets, and so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and so but and she was a distraction because he couldn't move. You know when you when these people go after you, when the wolves start circulating, you become a distraction from the real thing of trying to get a good, you know, Supreme Court, not that she wasn't good, but to try to see if you can move on and get somebody that you want, you know, that everybody will be happy with. And I, you know, it was, I remember the days that people were just, you know, we were just shocked, and mm. but not surprised. Right. Surprised, but not shocked. Okay. I guess that's the way to put it. Mm-hmm. That a brilliant woman like this, and I'm sure a lot of it was sexism on top of racism. Yes, it was. So, mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, yeah, she, I, I lost track of her. She, for me, she fell through the cracks. I didn't, I didn't follow her. She was nominated in 1993 to lead the Civil Rights Division. And, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the conservatives came out uh, after her. And then there was an article in 1991. She called for political black candidates to be not just physically black, Mm-hmm. But to demonstrate a cultural and psychological view of group solidarity, she advocated anti-discrimination policies, which, under which roughly equal outcomes, not merely and apparently 
say a process or the goal. Mm-hmm. Ms. Cornelius thinking has become more mainstream in recent years. Yes, of course, that is, as it has evolved, mm-hmm. as anti-racist practices and implicit bias training in the workplace have become more commonplace. You know, they have training now in yes, implicit they do. bias yes, and they unconscious do. bias and all of that. Mm-hmm. And in, 19, in the early 1990s, however, these ideas proved to be incendiary. Conservative outlets launched an all-out assault on Ms. Grenier, and as you say, they called her the quota queen. Mm-hmm. So Republicans were seeking political retribution, and this she was nominated at a bad time because the Republicans were mad because Robert Burke was, was cast aside, mm-hmm. and then... Clarence Thomas, you know, they had that whole boo-ha-ha with him. Yeah. And Clarence Thomas and Ms. Guineer were in the same law school class together. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she, she was nominated at not a great time. But, you know, that court at the time, even though it didn't have, I think Sandra Day O'Connor was still the only female on the court. Yes. So mm-hmm. she just had the deck stacked against her. But uh, it's, a very, it's very sad that, you know, she ended up with... Um, with Alzheimer's. I um, know. Oh, it's just, just very, very sad. So I, I lost track of her. I don't know what she did in, in later years, but uh, she certainly is well remembered for those days. Yeah, well, they, they say she, you know, after all that, she uh, returned to the classroom. And so that's where she, oh, uh, that's where she became yeah. the uh, first tenured. It was after that, the black female okay. professor at um, Harvard Law School. Yeah, yeah. So rest in peace for her. Gone way too soon. Gone way too soon. That's it. But it's interesting how that when a person dies, that's when we really kind of go back and track and see um, what things they've done, their legacy and all of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, she, she had a good legacy, you know. She did. She absolutely did. Yes, she yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, D, you know, we've been talking. That's why we can't hardly um, record our show. We've been talking about this COVID. So, you know, tell us the latest. <laughs> so COVID is still rampant, still probably represents the majority of the variants in this country. Although, don't get it twisted, as I tell people, the Delta is still alive and well. And it is accounting for the vast number of unvaccinated people in the hospital on ventilators and in the intensive care unit that you and Dr. Doe and I see on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, Gomicron is extremely transmissible, and probably many of us are going to get it, but it will be like a, a, co- a cold or the common flu. There are some indications that we may be seeing a peak and maybe predictions of maybe the middle of February it will peak. And then we will start to see less people infected and so forth. But for now, the message that I'm sending to everybody still is get vaccinated and get boosted. And wear your mask. And wear and wear your mask. Exactly. Thank you, D. Hopefully You are welcome. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, you know, look back and say, Dang, are we finally out of this thing? Oh no. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want that? Right. Did you want to talk anything about the Biden health officials grilled over the pandemic? That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Fauci up against Rand Paul, and I can't remember the name of the other senator, mm-hmm. um, who were grilling Fauci about 
you know, again, all the issues of maintaining, you know, how, well, it's been kind of complicated. Let me just step back for a quick second. Mm-hmm. Um, the CDC had changed their quarantine um, rules, like five days of quarantine, and then you could go back to work. So, uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of opinion about that. We can talk about it at another time. Mm-hmm. The CDC has been put in the middle. First of all, it's a government organization, and poor Dr. Michelle Walensky, whom I happen to know tangentially, has been put on the spotlight as being looking wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Well, she's not wishy-washy. I mean, she has she represents an organization of government where she has to kind of like walk a tightrope. So um, Fauci went, and Rochelle Walensky and Fauci went to the Congress yesterday, the Senate, and they were grilled by Rand Paul. I can't think of the name of the other guy. And Fauci was just fed up. I think he said on a hot mic that the guy was a moron. Uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that he was being interviewed by the cat was a moron. <laughs> but, you know, they, they, got a, they got a grilling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the two issues, number one, and, and I, I'm not siding with any Republicans, but the issues that I have, number one, are, again, we are always reactive and not proactive. Mm-hmm. So we missed Omicron was coming around. So Biden had promised $500 million test to be out. Well, it's January the 12th. Where they at? Where they at? Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, they promised to put up a website where you could go on the website and get a test kit. Well, what if you don't have a computer, Vicky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't like my mother, and you have to depend on somebody who has a computer or iPad to come over and get you set up. What about people that don't have Wi-Fi or hotspots? What's going to happen to them? So it's clearly going to be inequitable distribution of those uh, test kits. Mm -hmm. And when you change your quarantine things and you say, well, now, okay, you get infected and you don't have any symptoms, you can go back to work without doing any testing. Yeah, that's terrible. who's going to be the symptom police? Are you going to be at somebody's house who's been off work for five days and they say, I'm asymptomatic? Well, they could be blowing their nose 50,000 times a day and have a fever. Who's patrolling that? Mm. So you're coming back to work on your word. And we know, as we just said, everybody lies. Right. You're on somebody's word, having somebody to come back into the workforce, again, with their mask on sloppily continuing to infect people. So, I mean, although I did not agree at all, would never agree with any of those guys, those are some of the issues that Fauci and Walensky are up against because mm-hmm. the government organizations, NIH and CDC, have just been a little wishy-washy without being transparent and upfront with the public. I, I You know what I say? This is time for D-Banks to come in there and break it down for everybody. That's it. <laughs> because, you know, people, and I get it. I'm confused. You wake up one morning... And it's like somebody, one of my friends from Australia, said that, put on Facebook, one of her friends things that one morning you're going to wake up and you're, the next breaking news is going to be the CDC flash breaking news. You're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> that's, look, that's right? basically, that's basically it in, now anyway. Right? Right. I mean, it, you're going to wake up and basically... Breaking news, breaking news. CDC, you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, so that was that was the the grilling yesterday that happened. Okay. I don't know that anything was resolved, but uh, yeah, they 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 uh, they they got kind of a shellacking. Okay. Uh, okay. Hit Walensky and and Fauci pretty hard, but you know, unfortunately, Fauci and Walensky, you know, they they. I hate to say it, but they're a little bit part of the problem. Yeah, they gotta they gotta get a communication PR thing together and stick they with do, it. Vicky. Yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. They need a PR person. I can't think of the name of that show that uh, Kerry Washington was in, but that woman, the black woman who was the PR person for all these people, they need her to come in there because clearly mm-hmm. these people are not communicators. In fact, they, they said that Walensky did just hire a communications person again we are reactive yes. instead of being proactive exactly and it's important because you're not you're not talking about 20 people you talk about millions of people that you got to communicate to millions. come on now millions Vicky. you're absolutely right millions yeah so yeah. you can't be you know pulling out the blow horn and say yeah for blah, 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 blah. you can't do that no, you're absolutely right. We got a dirt ass. No, you're not talking to your football team. You're talking to oh, millions okay. of people. Uh-huh. These are millions of people whose lives, who's, you know, back from having your kid. Well, this, this depends on whether you can go back to work or not, or whether you stay home, or how you deal with your, your job situation, or people that are your employees, or your healthcare workers, or this and that. It's bigger than a lot of people. And so, in order to address it, she needed to, he needs to, they both need communication people to be able to communicate better with the public. I'm sorry. They do. That's it. Thank you, D. Thank you, D. That's it. I can't sugarcoat it. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own. Haywood Doe Consulting Co. doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, Hot Topics number 72. We're going to start out with our first article, and it says six factors that can affect how many calories you burn. 
Now, Summer Within, and this is written by Everyday Health. Uh, you can find that on their their website. And it says some of you, some are within your control, but most aren't. Here's what experts say you can do to support your metabolism. And I will have to add, yes, it's all about your um, metabolism when it comes to, you know, um, how you're going to be healthy and your fat burning ability. So it says, if you've ever been to a group fitness class where everyone's heart rates and estimated calorie burns are displayed on a screen, you know that these statistics vary greatly from person to person. You've probably also noticed that generally men tend to burn more calories than women. But have you ever wondered why different people burn calories at such different rates, even during the same workout? The truth is that metabolism, which is an umbrella term for all of the processes in your body that break down nutrients for energy, fuel growth, and more, is far from simple. There is a constant ebb and flow of reactions that build or repair our body and reactions that break down food and energy stores for few, says Anya Rosen, um, a registered dietitian and a virtual functional medicine practitioner based in New York City. It is, and this is what she says, it is an extremely complex topic that is very challenging to research. Various factors play into how fast or slow you're burning calories at any given time. Here are the six that experts say have the greatest impact on how many calories you burn while working out. Number one, your body weight. Generally, the more you weigh, the more calories you burn per session. And this is said by Kyle Gonzalez, a San Francisco-based certified strength and conditioning specialist and performance coach at Future. He says, calories are just a measure of energy. So the more you weigh, the more energy it takes to move your body. But differently of two people with different weights, the one who weighs more will burn more calories because they have greater energy expenditure when moving. People with larger bodies also tend to have larger internal organs, such as heart, liver, kidneys, and lungs, which is a significant factor in how many calories are burned during exercise and at rest because these organs and their processes require energy. One study found that up to 43% of the variation in total calorie burn between people could be explained by differences in the size of their internal organs. This is one of many reasons that weight loss is so complicated. Your body burns fewer calories as your weight decreases, which can lead to a weight loss plateau. And a lot of people don't understand that. That's why I always have to go back and explain that all the time with my classes. But yeah, you're, when you um, start losing weight and it decreases, it leads to a, it can lead to a weight loss plateau or even regaining weight. That said, it's not the only reason. A previous review 
explains that weight loss can trigger can trigger other physiological adaptations as well, including the body's tendency to burn stored fat for energy, a process called fat oxidation. Greater hunger due to higher levels of the hormone ghrelin and less satiety as levels of the hormone lipton dip. If you're looking to lose weight, okay, and have hit a plateau or a plateau, consider working with a registered dietitian who specializes in weight loss and can help you meet your goal in a healthy and sustainable way. Also keep in mind that exercise is a a boon for overall health. Yes, regardless of whether you lose weight, you still need to exercise. A review published in October 2021 in Science suggests that while increased exercise doesn't typically lead to long-term weight loss, improved cardiorespiratory fitness is associated with better health outcomes and a lower risk of premature death regardless of weight. And so it goes on, it talks about your muscle mass, and I'll talk about this before I close, but you can also make sure you can go back to this article. You can go back to this article and read it entirely, but another uh, factor that affects your burning of calorie is muscle mass. And here's where things get a little bit trickier. Someone with more muscle mass will burn more calories than someone else who weighs the same but has less muscle. Muscle tissue burns more calories than fat tissue, says um, Janine or Janard um, Brodell, a registered dietitian, a London-based private practice sports nutritionist. Yet claims about how many calories a pound of muscle will burn are often wildly overstated. In reality, evidence suggests that a pound of muscle burns about five calories per day, whereas a pound of fat burns about two calories per day. During exercise, having more muscle mass will increase your total calorie burn because your body needs to produce more energy to support the increased rate at which your muscles are contracting. Long story short, if you want to enhance your calorie burn, consider stepping up your strength training gain. Evidence shows that lifting weights burns more fat than cardio exercise and has more promising long-term results, says Brodell. Adding the caveat that everyone's goals and capabilities are different. And ultimately, it's up to you to choose how you exercise. And so, yeah, it goes on. It talks about your your birth sex, how that affects your fat burning capacity, your age, you know. And yeah, this is important. So when you exercise and you try to think about um, burning calories, these are the things that affects your calorie burn and your metabolism. And yeah, you can't, some things you can't change. You can't change your sex or your age, right? But you certainly can get in there and do some strength training and you can build muscle mass 
So that can help as well. So there are some things we can do and others that we can't. But at least I would say this year, 2022, we have to be like like uh, D said, Dr. D said, we got to be proactive instead of reactive. <laughs> instead of being proactive, we're reactive. You know, there's always, so this and this happened. Okay, let's just sound the fire bell alarm, hair on fire, running around and doing this. Whereas if you prepare for this, it's the same way. Like you started with the beginning of this talk that we did today. Mm-hmm. For example, the preparation of meals so you don't graze. Mm-hmm. And all of this of what you're talking about is a multi-pronged approach to burning calories, losing weight, and all of that. All of it has to be done in sync. Yes, it does. Because mm-hmm. you can do all the strength training in the world mm-hmm. and then come home to graze all night. Now, you <laughs> just undone. <laughs> you have done, undone everything that you did for that whatever hour. That's that it. Spent. So it has to be a, a multi-pronged uh, approach yes. to this. Yes, yes. And you gotta, you gotta do it. At the end of the day, you gotta start and just do. At the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You gotta make a concerted effort that this is what you want to do, and you have to do it. It's hard. I mean, you know, nobody wants to get up. I started going back to swimming, and you know, it's gotten cold. I'm thinking, oh God, it's gonna be cold. But you know, I'm thinking as I get towards the pool, mm-hmm. and I have my little routine. I do my mind game, and I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to swim for you but you. That's it. You, nobody's going to take your body and swim for you but you. Mm-hmm. So get on in there and do it and deal with it. I know. So you just have to play games with yourself, you know. You just got to do it. And that's so funny, too, because I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, next week starts dance, you know, and the first part of the semester, I'm dancing the most because I got a show and everything. So I was like, okay. I was like, okay, let me get on this treadmill, which I did today, and do some interval training, some walk run on this yeah. thing, so I can get my stamina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we have to, we have to do all of that. So you know, it's just like anything else. And as you have said many times, what you put into it is what you get out of it. Period with the T. Period. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. You since since the physician assistant stuff, did you know about the name changing? I you know what? I did not and in my practice that we would ordinarily know anything about because mm-hmm. we don't have physicians assistants. We have all nurse practitioners, but okay. um so here we are. Yeah, so, Nate and those guys, they use nurse practitioners and physician's assistant. So I guess they're going to be calling themselves physician associate. Oh, well, here's the deal. Okay. So physician assistant name change. Frequently asked questions, what you need to know about this new title. What prompted the change to physician associate? In the PA profession, there has been a great deal of discussion regarding a perceived disconnect with the role and responsibility. That's true. A PA's and their identity, which includes their title. Mm-hmm. Many PAs feel the title of physician assistant does not sufficiently convey the vital role PAs play in delivering superior health care for their patients. That's kind of true. Mm-hmm. A look at the research behind the title change. The move to revise the title of physician assistant 
was hardly an arbitrary one. In fact, the American Academy of Physicians Associate House of Delegates invested more than three years of discussion and research to determine how PAs see their role, how patients perceive their roles of PAs, and if their title truly reflects their value. Their findings were quite telling. Quantitative surveys conducted by independent industry experts found that nine out of ten survey respondents feel there is a disconnect between the physician assistant title and their role as healthcare providers, 71% 71% of patients surveyed agree the title physician associate accurately represents the job roles and responsibilities of PA. 63% of physicians surveyed feel physician associate aligns with the PA job description. In November 2020, AAPA, Legal Counsel, and the marketing and communications firm, WPP, presented comprehensive reports regarding the professional and legal implications of changing the PA job title. After reviewing the data, the AAPA House of Delegates passed the resolution to adopt the title of physician associate by a majority vote of 198 to 68. What does the new title mean for my patient? Most PAs have had to correct the mistitled physician assistant at some point or other. That seemingly innocuous apostrophe actually says a lot about the perceived role of PAs as having less training and only serving as support staff for physicians. Part of the AAPA's goal with that title update is to better convey to patients a PA's ability to manage their patient care autonomously. As a physician associate, the hope is patients will better understand their role as a care provider and vital member of their larger health care team The new title was chosen from a lengthy list of possible options because it seems to instill trust in patients, convey authority as providers, and most accurately reflect the PA's abilities, training, and scope of practice. Will the new title change my role? No. As a physician associate, nothing will change about your day-to-day responsibilities, including developing and managing your patient's treatment plans, prescribing medications, and referring your patients to other health care providers just as you do now. Revising the PA title will not change what you do. It will better express what you do. Can I call myself a physician associate right now? Well, not yet. While the AAP approved the title change for physician assistant to physician associate early this year, the organization's legal counsel actually advises against using the new title at this time. It is actually quite a complex process to change the official title of the profession and using the new title too soon may open PAs up for liability because, to be honest with you, Vicki, there's some things they can and cannot do. There's some orders and drugs they can and cannot write for, I believe. Okay, okay. So the AAPA cautions against the against using the title of physician associate right now for the following reasons. Extensive due diligence must be completed before the transition to physician associate can be made in accordance with state and federal regulations and legislatures. Using the new title before this due diligence is completed could potentially trigger a disciplinary action from the local attorney general's office or state licensing board. Employers and our health care facilities may consider a premature title change a violation of policy or procedures. Mm. Confusion about the role and responsibilities yes. related to because I can see a, a fight with this in nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. Confusion about the 
Owner responsibilities of a PA related to a title change could lead to malpractice claims when adverse outcomes occur. How long will it take? According to AAPA November 20th final report, the entire process to officially change the PA, PA, to officially change the title from physician assistant to physician associate could take dang five years. Wow, isn't that wow. something? Wow. Yeah. So how is the AAPA PA going to tell the public about the new physician associate title. As the AAPA pursues all of the legal, professional, and financial steps to make the title of physician associate official, they are also working on a branding effort to introduce the new title to the public. The branding effort is not only a tool to educate stakeholders and patients about the change, but is also a great opportunity to highlight the essential role of the PA in healthcare. The branding campaign will include several elements advertising, earned media, and communications kits aimed at reaching key audiences. The AAPA also reminds PAs that they play a key role in telling this story as well. Through genuine connections with their patients, PAs can promote the skills, experience, and premium care that are the hallmarks of the profession. Physician assistants have always played an integral role in health care. With a new title and branding effort, Patients can have a new appreciation for all PAs do to manage their health and wellness. What's your thoughts on that? It's going to be extremely complicated to me because mm-hmm. you've got nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, and people are going to be vying for, you know, if my title has changed, what's, going, what's that going to mean for my monetary worth? Mm. And then there's also this thing about, like I said, Physicians, assistants, I mean, nurse practitioners can write orders and write notes and stuff, and although they have to be signed, they may not have to be signed immediately by the doctor. PAs generally may require, it's all state-to-state, may require a little bit more close scrutiny. Well, now with this new title, and they're going to have to rewrite the whole job description, in my opinion. Mm. So... I see how the five-year thing is going to go. It's going to be a slow, it's going to have to be a slow roll because it's going to have to also go state mm. by state. Mm. All states are on different licensing boards. Mm. What happens in Carolina for your license, this is the same for doctors too, isn't true for Ohio. So a lot of, you know, once they got the name, now they got to backtrack and try to figure it out. Wow. So it's going to be something. I thought that was really interesting because I was like, okay, here we go. Once you start changing that name, it, it becomes a mess. It does. Hot mess. Mm-hmm. So it's it, to see how this shakes out. Yeah. And the physicians that are going to work with the practitioners, the physician's assistants, are going to have to weigh in, you know, the licensing boards and all that are going to have to weigh in on what their opinions are of it. Oh, I know. But then it uh, to me... It to me, physician assistant and physician associate. I I don't see I don't see nothing different to me about that name. Do I, you? I honestly don't either, and I don't. I just it's the name change, but I don't know that that means anything. What does that mean? What does it mean? That's what I said. Associate versus assistant. Uh-huh. I don't no. see that any. I, I don't. I don't see it either. No. For all and the you don't have more extra training. You know what? What is the you just going from a name change, so you don't have to have any extra training. What I, comes with the the change in the title? Just because it sounds nicer? Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't think. I think they should just let it stay and keep moving. We got more better things to think about. They do. 
Yeah. I think bigger, so. Bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. But there we go. We get caught up in names and stuff. And there we go. Yeah. We down that rabbit hole, right? <laughs> let's improve physician and PA practices. That's you know, it. let's improve outcome measures and improve the outcome measures that we have. Let's change some of the poor outcomes for black and brown people. Let's focus on some of these things rather than changing the name of people that are taking care of them. Let's try to implement some new programs so, you know, black and brown people and people of poor socioeconomic status can get better health care. Yes. At the end of the day, like you say, some health equity, right? Health equity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Health equity. Correct. That's it. Well, you know, we had a great show today and we're going to we're going to end. But do you have D? do you have some tips that we should think about? Well, I just think that what is we and everybody's embarking, as we said, for however many years that we've been on here, everybody needs to start their own. You know, don't give up. Start your New Year's resolution. I was reading the other day that the average weight gain mm-hmm. for during this COVID uh, epidemic, they were talking about childhood obesity, has been 30 pounds. Wow. That's the average weight gain of the general person. Yeah. And so I just think that let's be proactive rather than reactive. Don't set unrealistic goals. I think this article that you brought up today is an excellent one talking about, you know, strength training and and you know, uh, not diet, but lifestyle changes and so forth. And basically, too, watching everything that you put in your mouth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and set short-term goals rather than, than unreasonable long-term goals. Because I was also, how this conversation came up as well, too, is that mm-hmm. what we're finding, and until this pandemic is over, obesity is becoming the number one independent risk factor for getting COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Not hypertension, not diabetes, not kidney disease, not lung disease, obesity. If your BMI is over thirty-ish, ish, your chances of getting COVID are greater than somebody who isn't. That's the bottom line, and that's period. Period. Okay. Period. Okay. So there's another incentive for people to lose small amounts of weight to at least get your BMI back down to where you should be. Because that virus, we don't understand it. We don't know why. You know, we thought, oh, it's lung disease and, you know, COPD and asthma and all that. No, Mm. it is obesity. Mm. And what we're finding out, you know, we're finding out, you know, over the years we found out a lot about obesity. Like, you know, gut fat produces hormones and produces all these different things that, you know, gut fat and fat in the body it's almost like a different organ system yes, to a certain yes, yes. stuff that it produces. Am I right? You know more yes. about this than I. Highly active. That fat cell. That is a whole new organ system in the mm-hmm, body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yes. We are going to, this is a new year and we're going to be talking about being proactive, you know, taking our instead health instead of reactive instead of finding out what you got you got to make sure you be proactive to make sure you don't get <laughs> right right exactly and as always we want folks to make sure that you go out get your vaccine if you haven't got it what the hell is your problem you i just don't get it that's it 
instead of taking risks that way, you know, go ahead and maybe risk on some money or something. Don't risk your life, okay, really? Right. So go ahead, go get your vaccinated, get boosted, wear your mask, and let's keep moving forward for this new year. And hope that we can get rid of this monster. Exactly. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.